Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. To another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world, Mr. Seven Round, Aaron, the Mukes I am Mukes. And below us, we have your boy, my boy, everybody's boy. He is the reigning, defending, undisputed, somewhat heavyweight champion of the world, or valedictorian of the world. Sorry, valedictorian of the world. Hey, hey. <laughs> he just wanted to call you heavy. He definitely did. He definitely did. Cause he know I just left from eating chicken wings and chilling and having a good time. You know, I'd have packed a few times, feeling bloated. That's cool. I, I get it. He I didn't see. even, he could have done that off air. He called you heavy once we did the end. I said that, slightly that, heavyweight. I said slightly that, that not necessarily is, is hmm. that's probably, that's like two, a little bit. That's two plus. It's two plus bills right there. Two plus. Bills. Wow. Two plus. Okay, wow. I don't know how much anyone weighs. I I wow. don't even know how much I weigh, but I'm just because you five foot five and one ten soaking hey. wet don't mean you got to come at hey. all them grown ups. Just because you fit <laughs> in Dylan's belly button doesn't mean you can come at us big guys. <laughs> Nailed it. Owned well him. Owned him. Uh, what a start to the show! All right, uh, it is a beautiful April April twenty seventh evening here in the city. What's up, everybody in the chat? Bailey, Sherm, Dante, welcome back. Uh, we've got a great show ahead of us, though. We are going to be breaking down the NFC East here tonight. I know Sherm and I know Dante are going to be hot and heavy for this show tonight. Uh, so we're going to try and piss them off as much as we possibly can. Uh, speaking of speaking of uh, chicken oh wings and, and sauce, um, I just want to say uh, I thought about moving Sauce Gardner down my draft board because if you guys didn't notice today, he does not like barbecue sauce. Um, which is, which hey. is a crime in itself. Um, but yeah, so we, we, you know, we might be moving sauce down Gardner down a little bit on our, on our ranking. This is not the USFL. We will not cut you because you do not like barbecue sauce. The, did you guys hear what that, happened? In the that USFL? wasn't even true. That wasn't even what happened. No, 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 it, it wasn't. It. But, so no, there was a guy that was cut. If you did it, it, a guy that was cut in the USFL for like the, the, uh, he was being disrespectful to one of the cafeteria people. And he, in his defense, he was saying, I just didn't want chicken salad. I saw someone walking with pizza and I wanted pizza and not chicken salad. So that actually happened. He got cut because he didn't want chicken salad. I digress. It's the USFL. Uh, we're not, we're, we're not getting into that one, but uh, we've got a great show ahead of us. We're going to be diving into the NFC East. Like we've said before, we are just one day away we're just less than we're less than 24 hours away from the Sac City draft special live at 7:30 tomorrow. I am so excited to the point where I left my patio door open on, in my office. And I was like, "You know what? I normally shut this before the show goes on. No one needs to hear me." 
but they need to hear me because tomorrow at 7.30, we are going to have the most spectacular, the most special special of all time. And it, it's just going to be great. So you're not going to want to miss it right here on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter at the Sack City Pod. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great, though. Uh, but we're going to start this show off a little different here, guys. We're going to be doing a little bit of a, a different game, so to speak, to start the show. We have Buy or Sell. We have our Fun and Games Friday games. We have all the good stuff. But I'm bringing in something new here. Draft season, it brings a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation, a lot of reports that may or may not be true. We're going to be playing and bringing out the Believometer. Okay, and the way this works is it is a scale of one to ten. I'm going to give you a rumor and you guys are going to tell me where on the Believo meter you guys are at, whether it be true. You think it's going to be true. It's a ten or get that shit out of here. It's a one. Everybody understand the rules is pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. I use that on a daily basis. Fan- <laughs> Fantastic. Let's get into it here. So. One of the, the first rumor we're going to what? I'm so what? sorry. Do you say one to five or one to ten? Uh, let's do one to okay. ten. I like the wide okay, range. I, I like the wide you. range. Okay. It gives you a little bit of a flexibility here. So we're starting off in the top ten with the Carolina Panthers. And it's probably the biggest rumor going around the world right now about the quarterback position. This rumor is the Panthers will draft a quarterback with the sixth overall pick. Believe meter. Where is it at, Aaron? Um, <laughs> um, it's been in the dock all day. It's been in the dock all day. How are you just like umming this? <laughs> no, listen, the, the, my believe meter is, is zero. I, I don't believe that the Panthers are going to draft a quarterback with the sixth overall pick. I think that all the talk we've heard over this offseason about the Panthers needing a quarterback is factual. It's true. They need one. But the guys coming into this draft just aren't worth a top 10 pick. Yes, you could go with the upside of a Malik Willis. You could go with baby hands, picking himself. Maybe he'll put on the third glove. Who knows? Matt Corral, small frame. And then you got Desmond Ritter, who's obviously kind of the most prototypical, athletic, big, physical guy, but doesn't have necessarily the upside that a guy like Malik Willis has. Look, everybody's talked about the Carolina needing a quarterback. They do, but they need to protect the quarterback first. I think they go offensive line here i don't think it's a quarterback um high class quarterback draft i think they can wait until next year or even maybe later in the draft and try to take a flyer i think you let sam darnold ride this year out and you go from y'all ain't gonna like this y'all ain't gonna like this i was looking for something but it's not here but uh i'm giving this a five on the believo meter i am stuck in the middle i am sitting on the fence i was there was i i i thought they were gonna take a qb right me and Aaron and you guys, we've talked a lot about the fact that it makes sense that they need an offensive lineman here. And I was leaning towards offensive linemen. They have so much to take care of. They've, they've done well on their defensive side of the ball. They've got some veterans in to teach the young guys. So next year they can go on by themselves. But now they have to take care of that offense because that was their downfall last season. So you want to say that they want to grab an offensive lineman. It makes sense. Charles Cross will probably be sitting right there. If not, Evan Neal will probably be sitting right there. But then I hear, and of course, it's blow smoke up your ass time and there's rumors everywhere. Then I hear that they went to Sam Darnold and told them they were going to take a QB in this draft. Well, if you take a QB at 137, you're looking at Carson Strong or Bailey Zapp and thinking that's the next guy, thinking like Sam Darnold is going to be the veteran that shows them how to play in the NFL. That doesn't make sense to me. 
So the only place that they really could take a QB is with their first pick at six, as we say in this rumor mill, the Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, or then they try to move back. But that's not the question. So I'm going to sit on the fence. I don't think Kenny Pickett, to me, he's not the guy that's going to go first at QB. Malik Willis might be that type of guy. Maybe we get a surprise like Daniel Jones and you see a Desmond Ritter or even a Matt Corral be the first guy off the board that no one's talking about, but that'd be a huge surprise. If I'm the Carolina Panthers, I think I wait. We all said Sam Darnold last year could do this, could take this time. I don't think they handled that situation right last year in Carolina. If you really know that you can build around Sam Darnold knowing he's not the future, do it. Let him play one last year. Get everything in, 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 in your spot. You'll be picking early again next season and try to get one of the better QBs that are coming out of the draft next year. I'm at a 7.6. I'm at a 7.6 of this one, all right? <laughs> I, I, am, I am believing that they're going to be taking a quarterback in round one. I don't know if they're going to be sitting at six and taking that quarterback in round one, whether it be a trade back in or whether it be a, a trade back and then just taking it there. I see them for sure taking a quarterback in round one. I do not know if it's going to be at six, but I will safely say if they're not considering any trades here, I'm at a 7.6 here that the Carolina Panthers draft a quarterback with the sixth. Well, pick. they're not going to trade back in. They don't have the capital to do it. And you can't right. hamstring yourself That's true. going forward. That's true. Trading back does make sense. And, and, and the problem, the only issue with the trading back is you have to find a way to do that before draft because if somebody trades into that five spot, you're screwed. Like you're screwed. And to be com and to be completely honest, I don't. I wouldn't even. So you, actually, AJ, you've helped me bump this score up. I, it's now at eight point three <laughs> that they pick a quarterback with the six overall pick because you're right. They don't have the draft capital to trade back in. But the, the other thing is, is this this is the most important position in football. You don't just pass up on your franchise. You're hopeful franchise quarterback and move back to get them. I think that they get them at yeah, six, eight. That's only that's only if you believe one of these guys is a franchise quarterback. How many times have we watched guys reach Daniel Jones, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz reach on guys because they feel like quarterback has to be solved right now. The fact of the matter is, but that's them. The fact of the matter is that Carolina can, doesn't have to do that. Let me give you a, a fun stat. Kenny Pickett is a year older or as a year younger than Sam Darnold. They're damn near the same age. And Sam Darnold has four years of experience. Why? If you, if you don't have the draft capital to move back into the first round, sit at six, draft your tackle of the future, and then just wait on a quarterback. How many, you never know who you're going to get. Maybe it is a Bailey Zap. Maybe it is a Carson Strong, but is there a big difference between Kenny Pickett and those guys? I don't think so. I want to make one more point though, before we move on or before you respond. I've heard, and you guys didn't say it, which I'm surprised. A lot of people have been tying a quarterback to the Panthers, not because they feel like one is worthy of the number six pick, but that Matt Rule needs to take one in order to save his job. I, I yep. want to just kind of debunk that point. Matt Rule is not the general manager. Matt Rule is not the one bringing in the players. If the general manager does not want a quarterback or he doesn't think one of those guys is a franchise quarterback, Matt Rule doesn't get to say, well, I need to draft one here to save my job. That general manager is going to go, no, they're not worthy of this pick, so we're not taking them. The general manager is one making this draft pick. We have to make sure we understand that. This is not Matt Rule making this pick. But with the same thought process, the conversation we've had off air about Doug Peterson getting some say 
uh, to bring in a player. Hold Don't on, compare Trent Baalke. Do not compare no. Trent Baalke's status <laughs> in Jacksonville to a no. general manager in Carolina. That's not what I'm getting at. What Pepper I'm getting at is if, is if your job is on the line, you don't think you're going to have a louder voice about what you want to do because if you think you are going to be let go because your team hasn't shown up, and let's not forget, they gave this man a seven-year, $60 million deal. And if you're talking about getting rid of him after three years, you best believe I might be loud and boisterous to get the guy that I want so at the very least I can either, one, buy myself some time to show you that we're headed in the right direction or two, have been able to prove that we have done everything we can yes. to make this team work. And as yes. a general manager, you gave me two, three picks in the three years, and they weren't able to work out. And everything else you've done around it, besides these in-season trades that brought some talent, has done nothing for me, and you got to let you me go. Vo- you can voice your opinion all you want. What I'm saying is that let's be clear that this is not Matt Rule. This is not a Bill Belichick situation where Matt Rule has the final say or is the one leading that charge. This is ha- they have a general manager that is making decisions, and it's not just Matt Rule saying, oh, crap, I got to get a quarterback to save my job. I-, I think it's everybody's talking that narrative, and I don't think it's just his sole choice to say, I'm going to get Malik Willis because that buys me an extra couple of years. I think, and, and to go to tie this all together from what you said before about reaching on a quarterback, I don't agree with it. I'm not saying I agree with the with the Panthers doing that and forcing themselves to pick, but you laid out the history right there. We've seen it before. We've seen it happen many of times where a Jaguars, a Jacksonville Jaguars reach on a Blake Bortles, a New York Giants reach on a Daniel Jones just because they want their franchise guy. They go out and get them no matter where they are in the draft. Maybe they're not getting calls for at, at six. Maybe they don't like the trades. Maybe they want their quarterback. Who knows? Uh, so that's for the Panthers rumor. Let's move on to the next rumor here. From trading, uh, from trading up or back, however you may look at it, the Eagles will trade up for Kayvon Thibodeau if he falls past the the fifth overall pick. I saw that report floating around out from multiple draft uh, guys, multiple draft gurus here. I believe Matt Miller uh, said something about that uh, on Twitter. But the Eagles will trade up for Kayvon Thibodeau if he passes pick five. AJ, believe meter four uh for two reasons one i don't think he's passing five i think five is the latest he can go i believe he's going to go to the jets but as we've seen and we talked about i really like ahmad Gardner to the to the jets i don't know if that's how it's going to go down i don't think he passes new york if that's the case because new york needs an edge rusher in a bad way as much as they need an offensive tackle but if a Kayvon thibodeau is sitting there at five despite what people are saying, and I want to debunk the he doesn't love football. This is just a way to say that I think he's not as good as we all thought he was because he doesn't do the processes we want him to. If the Giants are looking at five and Kayvon Thibodeau is still there, I believe they would go with him, allow the Panthers to grab if Ickham's right there or Evan Neal's right there, and then they grab the next one. Um, so I put this at like a four. I also think that the, the Philadelphia Eagles are looking more towards the back end of their defense and then on the offensive side to grab themselves another playmaker. So eh, four for me. I think it's kind of a trick question. Uh, if you say trade into the top 10, I don't think there's any chance. I would probably put it at a one or two. Um, but if Kayvon Thibodeau, for whatever reason, starts falling and he gets a nine, 10, 11, and he's still there, could they then trade up? a few spots to try to make that move. Yeah, they could. I don't see Kayvon Thibodeau falling that far, even if he does slide a little bit. So I don't think this is very high. I think Philadelphia is in a good spot with those two middle of the first round picks where they can go out and address a couple of needs 
um, a cornerback there and then a, possibly a wide receiver or a defensive lineman. Maybe they get a Devontae White or something like that. So um, I would put it very low. I'm at a one or two on this one. Yeah, I am off the, the the back end of the spectrum here. I am at a like a I am at a one. I don't believe that uh, one bit that they try and trade up. And I mean, we could we could see maybe they trade up like one or two picks for them, like, but not not anything drastic to where they go up and get a cave on Thibodeau. Uh, that being said, I think that another person that we're going to talk about in just a few moments, I think that is a player that could fall. Maybe it's Jermaine Johnson. There are also reports out there that. People are saying that Jermaine Johnson is going to be selected in the top 10 of this draft. I mocked him to, I believe, Seattle at number nine. People are talking about him going top five now or top 10. Where's the Believometer at? Uh, AJ, here's your FSU guy right here. This is your Believometer for him. What's the, what's it, what is it for Jermaine Johnson being a top 10 pick in this draft? Where's it at, Believometer? Eight. An eight. And that's just because this draft is going to be crazy. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. Make sure you guys are tuning in at 730. Uh, we'll talk about tomorrow how it only takes one pick to change that entire thought process in a draft like this. But right now, Jermaine Johnson, from what we've seen on tape to the way he's tested, to the way he's interviewed, to the player that he's shown that he can be, uh, I don't think he falls any further than nine for Seattle. I think New York's in on him. I would be shocked if you know the Jets decide, you know what, what if we take it on Jermaine Johnson? He's got that style. He's got that swagger that a Robert Sala likes. Uh, I definitely think Jermaine Johnson is not only worthy of a top 10 pick, I think he will be selected in the top 10. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I actually have it as high as AJ. I have it as an eight, uh, possibly up to a nine. There are talks that Jermaine Johnson could go as high as four to the Jets. Yeah. Um, this, this is a guy that we talked about as motor and you know me, I love motor guys. I love guys that are like all in on the field. Um, this is a player I have changed on my mock draft. Now I haven't going nine to the Seattle. Um, as well. So I, I think this is a guy that can definitely crack the top 10. You, look, we're talking about edge rushers and we've talked about how deep the, the edge rushing class is, but it's not deep. It's more top end heavy, right? There's some, there's some really good ones at the very top and then it's going to kind of whittle out. I think if you get a guy like Jermaine Johnson in the top 10, that's going to give you what we need and which is edge rushers, right? We talk about a team like Seattle, like the New York jets, perhaps the giants that need guys to get to the quarterback in divisions with good quarterback play. Uh, I think it's going to be important. And I think this is the kind of player you might see a team jump up and get something that we don't expect. It's not a jump up to get Kayvon Thibodeau. Maybe it's a jump, jump up to get Jermaine Johnson because Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker and Kayvon Thibodeau are gone and he's the next guy. And there's so many teams with that need. So um, yeah, he's at an eight for me. And I think there's a very good chance that Jermaine Johnson's gone before we get. Give me a 10. Give me a 10 here. I am guaranteeing that Jermaine Johnson is going to be a top 10 pick. I am guaranteeing you saw my mock draft a few weeks ago. Jermaine Johnson is going to be a top 10 pick because of what you just said, Aaron, with the fact that Thibodeau is going to be gone. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be gone. Trayvon Walker is going to be gone. There's going to be a run on edge rushers in the top 10, and I can definitely see him falling uh, to that back half of the top 10. And uh, yeah, 10, 10, 10. Tens all around. Jermaine Johnson going in the top 10. Let's do our last one here. Derek Stingley will be the first cornerback off the board in this draft. There's two parts Sorry. to that. Sorry. There's two was... parts to that. Um, it's been in the dock all day, Vinny. Two parts to it. Um, not only will Derek Stingley be the first cornerback off the board, Derek Stingley is going to go top five. Derek Stingley is going to go number three to the Houston Texans. I am sold. 
I'm 100% sold that if Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker are the first two picks, that Derek Stingley will be picked third by the Houston Texans. Man-to-man cover guy, can play in zone. It, it's a, this is a little bit different than a Sauce Gardner. And the only reason I'm saying he's the first because Houston plays a different style of defense. Levy Smith loves that cover two style. Sauce Gardner did not play a whole lot of zone at Cincinnati. It was a man-to-man based defense. Stingley can play multiple coverages. Not that Sauce can't, but he has that experience. I think they really, really like him. He's, I don't want to say he's more physically gifted. There is something about Derek Stingley that I've said before that coming into college, he was the highly, but one of those highly touted defensive back prospects LSU has ever seen. And we know what LSU is like DBU. This is a guy who could be the best player in this draft that he's that talented. And I know we only have freshman tape and I know we don't, we don't have much that we saw in college. Derek Stingley, number three, Houston Texans. I am at a 9.9 just in case. They decide to take Ikemakwanu or Evan Neal out in the offensive line. But Derek Stingley will be the first corner taken off the board at to Houston at number three. <laughs> Derek Stingley, oh, Derek Stingley over uh, over Sauce. Are you at that point now? Not, not so. Let me let me clarify what I'm saying. Like who you like more? Uh, I, yeah, like, I, I, that, I like I yeah, like Sauce I more because I like the style. I like in the NFL. I think that man to man style of play is going to be ultimately what wins, right? Um, they're going to be close. I do think Stingley has the potential to be the best player in this draft. Okay. Okay. I'm at, I am at a, I'm at a 6.9 on this one uh, for Derek Stingley going to the top three, really just because of what, I, what Aaron just said. So there you go. Uh, you are up. It was a great sell, Aaron. It was a great sell. And, and you had me believing, and I want to believe. I'm not going to believe for two reasons. One, Let's just be honest. It's going to make for better TV tomorrow when we talk about the draft. <laughs> and two, like I said, the freshman tape is all it is. And the Houston Texans are in a place right now that, yes, they have so many needs that they can almost do whatever they want, but almost. These picks still have to hit. And I'm not saying Derek Stingley won't because we know he's a good he's a good prospect, but you have to you have to hope that what you saw on tape at his freshman season and combine that with what happened in LSU last year where every player checked out, isn't going to happen again. You have to make sure that the player that is coming in is going to be that type of guy who is a cornerstone of your franchise for the next five to ten years. You can't you can't take a, a flyer on a guy knowing he's got the talent but is not going to be completely bought in. I think if they're going to sit here with Davis Mills for this season and see what happens next year, you go out and you get that best lineman right there at three, Take him, be happy about it, and move forward and do what you need to do at 13. And let's not forget, there's a good chance somebody tries to trade with Minnesota at 12, which would leave Derek Stingley there at 13, in my opinion. Because if he doesn't go in that top five spot, he's more than likely to me falling to that 12-13 area. So I'm I'm at like a four on this as well. Um, I, I, I like it. I love it. It's spicy. It's hot. I can't take it. And then lastly, we never want to get to the root of the issue. Go Falcons, go! Let's talk about welcome. Dude, this dude, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up after all this, but this dude, he has been in our comments in our YouTube on pretty much every video, putting we, go Falcons. Can go. we, can we not just like let's just barely hear? Can, can we not talk about the only reason you're saying that is because. Sauce Gardner plays for Cincinnati, and you yeah, love you some Cincinnati. True. So he's got to go for Big Bearcat guy. Hey, nothing to do with it. Well, what I find funny, though, you, 
and I, just a real quick question because we'll put the kibosh on this because we got to move on. Is does Jamar Chase being drafted last year where he did and him having the production that he did kind of help Derek Stingley's narrative a little bit, like his cause a little bit because he yeah, had the season off, LSU. Uh, came back and no missed relation. the year, and then just... it's too different. Okay, it's too right. different. Okay, yeah. Just, what like you remember what we said just about if you can play wide receiver, you can play wide receiver. Where the same thing maybe sits at cornerback, the amount of technical know-how, the amount of being in the right position, following your assignments. There's too much to lean on for you to have that much time off and think that you will immediately come in and make that impact. I don't even and, think it's about the time off. I think it's just about the experience of playing, right? Like yeah. if you didn't play very much in college, you haven't seen high level competition. If your last thing was when you were a freshman, right? So even though you do play in the yeah. SEC and you know, you've seen some guys, I just think it's a matter of this is where talent is now weighed against production all the time in the draft. Do you look at talent and upside measurables? Or do you look at, hey, this guy was just really good in college and produced like a sauce gardener had never given up a touchdown. Well, that's great and all. But if I look at Stingley and I say, this guy has the ability to be an excellent corner, um, do you overlook that or, or don't you? And I think, again, I think fit, scheme, I think way Lovey Smith feels, I think he's going to get that defense right. I really do. I, I, I think, uh, like I said, I'll leave the, if, if he doesn't go Stingley, obviously it's going to be an offensive line to, lineman to me. Um, but I do think Stingley is the one that goes. Cool. We will see where our mocks wild. have Stingley and we will see where our mocks have the Houston Texans, what they have going on uh, at pick number so three excited. tomorrow. Be all over our social media pages at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to uh, see what our mocks are. We're dropping them tomorrow around noon. So be be on the lookout. Let us know what you think. Also, please be sure to head on over to our YouTube page and our TikTok Give us a follow, give us a subscribe, and make sure you share. Let's get into this NFC East here. If you're new to the show, we are going to be breaking down one player that these teams need to draft in this. The draft is tomorrow. It's it's right around the corner. Uh, so we are starting off with the Dallas Cowboys. And to specify, it's not necessarily the first round pick, the second round pick, or whatever. It could be throughout the draft. They need a guard. They need a wide receiver. They need an edge rusher. They've got the 24th pick in the first round, followed by the 56th. I will uh, start this off because you two gentlemen got into the dock well before I did. And really just kind of you, you guys, you guys have really good picks, especially you, Aaron, because you know how much I like your pick. Uh, but I decided to just take the low hanging fruit and take the easy road here. And I went with Kenyon Green, the guard out of uh out of texas a&m here we play for bravery we play for big hearts in tiny bodies we play for the fighter within we play for life reclaimed disease in remission stories rewritten we're children's hospital of richmond at vcu and we nurture the champion in every child we fight the forces that threaten them and we play to win. Learn how at chrichmond.org. This guy is a he's a phenomenal player. I've already picked him for one of my teams before, but this guy is just this good. He's just climbing. He's climbing and climbing. I had him lower before, but I I, I don't see him going that far. Kenyon Green, he is 
an absolute animal. He drives through his blocks. I saw him in one of his tapes take a guy all the way from the line to the sideline. Like, you ever see the movie The Blind Side where <laughs> Michael Orr is just taking the guy off the field? That's what Kenyon Green has done here. He was originally supposed to actually play tackle last season to help his draft stock. I'm not sure if any of you guys know this. He was supposed to play tackle last season. Then Texas A&M had a few transfers. And he was like, all right, I'll be a team player. I'll stick to guard and do what I have to do because he was supposed to play tackle to bump up his draft position and try to make him some money. But he said, you know, what? I'll take one for the team. Jimbo Fisher came out and said he's an old school type of player, how he practices, how he works, everything on and off the field. He's an old school type of guy. Kenyon Green is the perfect fit to me for the Dallas Cowboys who just lost Connor Williams, who was a penalty machine. Aaron, you probably know this very well, but Kenyon Green at 6'4", 325, he's the perfect fit for the Dallas Cowboys in round one. I really, I really like his versatility. You mentioned he's supposed to play tackle. He has 35 career starts, and he has played every position except for center. Uh, this is why a lot of people are mocking him to Dallas because he does have the versatility. You know a Tyron Smith's been injured. Uh, you lose a Lyle Collins. You could throw him over at right tackle if you need to. Uh, he could play left guard, um, which they really are in desperate need of. Um, it, it's it's probably the most mocked pick to the Dallas Cowboys. It's if the they stay at 24 and he's there, that's what most people have him. Um, I went a little bit different. Um, I, I went into the second round. I felt like a lot of people are talking about Dallas needing to address the offensive line, and that's great. I think they do. Um, but I think they also need to address the wide receiver position. We're not sure when Michael Gallup's going to get on the field. We're not sure when... Um, or we lost Amari, they lost Amari Cooper. Now you have a CD lamb and they bring in guys like James Washington. For me, I went with a Vinny favorite. I went to the second round pick 56. And I do think this guy is climbing up boards actually. And it's George Pickens, George Pickens from Georgia. We've, we've lamented his physical ability that as a wide receiver is your prototypical wide receiver. He can do everything on the football field. The one question mark has been his maturity. And I think, I mean, it's the Dallas Cowboys. They're known for bringing in guys that have issues like this, the Des Bryant's of the world, the Michael Irvin's of the world, Leon Letts. Um, we all remember, you know, and lamented those days when they had the White House. Um, this is a guy who can do everything on the football field. You just hope that his skill set that he has can, can grow and match the maturity level that he needs. You get in a great leader in Dak Prescott who can mold him, who can talk to him and kind of keep him hopefully under wraps. I think this is a pick that, he fits what Michael Gallup is doing right now. And we're not sure when, when that's going to be, when he's going to be back on the field. I think they can get him in the second round, add some more weapons for Dak Prescott and address that offensive line in the first round. And I, then I think you're looking good going into the 2020. I hope the Dallas Cowboys are watching this episode because if they do this, they don't trade up. They get Kenyon green in the first round, George Pickens in the second round and graph my guy in the fourth round, pick 129, they are having a really damn good draft. And my guy is going to be Jelani Woods, the tight end out of Virginia. So here's the thing. I know we got Dalton Schultz. And by we, I mean the Dallas Cowboys. I'm talking as if I'm them. Um, but he's on a one-year deal. They franchise tagged him, and he's going into the next season waiting on a thing. They need to get another tight end in there. And there's already rumors that they're looking to grab one around this area. Jelani Woods is a red zone threat, a massive six foot seven, 253 pound guy. And no, he doesn't have the softest hands, but he can catch the ball. And if you were hitting him up high, you were going to be the one on the ground. He, this guy had, what was it? 31 catches, 369 yards and four touchdowns in three years at Oklahoma state said, I need to get playing a little bit more transferred to Virginia. And in that season he had 
44 passes, 598 yards, and eight touchdowns in just eight starts. Uh, first team All American honors. Shot up draft boards. Is going to be a solid prospect. Needs some help in the blocking area. But if you are looking at a guy that you can bring in, be that throw it up, go get it, red zone threat. He's the type of guy that you want to look at. I think Jelani Woods would be a great fit to be tight end too. If Dalton Schultz moves in after a year of experience, he might be the guy that becomes a very good target for Dak Prescott. Aaron, if the Dallas Cowboys do what AJ just said and take those guys, is this is this a dream scenario for you? Is this are you going home happy uh, uh, on Sunday tough with, words. after the draft? I would be words. happy. A dream scenario? Absolutely not. <laughs> There's some dream scenarios I got out there that would have us be winning the Super Bowl next year. So um, no, uh, no, but it would it would definitely be a it would definitely be a good start to the draft there. Um, you know, depending on what they did in the third and fourth round. But if you go out there and you get a, a starter, a staple on the offensive line like a Kenyon Green. You add a George Pickens with that upside if he can stay mentally right. Um, and then Jelani Woods, the physical specimen of a body, like the dude is just monstrous. Um, that's a red zone threat. That could be, I don't want to, a la Jimmy Gramish when you get to those red zone targets we talk about. So, um, yeah, that would be good. Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles fly Eagles fly. Do we have a lot of uh, Eagles fans in the chat here? Shout out Sherm. Shout out all the Eagles fans watching this right now uh, on YouTube. They need a cornerback, a wide receiver, a linebacker. They have two first round picks, one at 15, one at 18. Then they have the 51st pick in the second round. We just talked about them possibly moving up for a cave on Thibodeau. We all kind of really sold that. So AJ, where do the Philadelphia Eagles need to go? in the first round all right so uh round one pick 18 is where i'm going and i've been very excited about this team because i've been looking for a player and at this position i'm picking that just kind of fits what philadelphia means that that gritty that mean that 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 anger that violence and the guy i went with here uh is going to fit that perfectly and that's Devin lloyd the linebacker out of utah you ask me, he is in the argument for the most complete linebacker in this draft. There's some guys we like, we've talked about fairly highly, but this guy is a stud. Led his team with 110 tackles, eight sacks, and six pass breakups last season. Uh, ranked second in the FBS with 22 tackles for loss. And my favorite part is he's a thumper. If he hits you, you are going to feel it. And I get it. The best way to tackle, wrap him up, drive him through. But this is one of those rare guys that he can put a shoulder into you and you will more than likely go down. Uh, he can play multiple positions, which means he's hard to scheme for because you can put him all over that defensive side of the ball and you never know where the ferocity is coming from. Uh, I think he's got very few. Once again, this is a guy you'll nitpick when you're looking for things to fix. He can overplay a little bit because he's so excited to get in the backfield, but he's also got the pursuit and the talent to chase you down if he does that. Devin Lloyd, anybody who gets him is going to be very, very happy. I think the Philadelphia Eagles would be a great spot for him. Uh, so I have him slotted round one, pick 18. To the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I mean, that's one of my favorite linebackers in the draft, obviously. Um, you mentioned his ability to play multiple positions. He's actually really effective as a pass rusher from the outside. They lined him up there a few times at Utah. Um, good pick there, but I, you talked about what fits Philadelphia. And what I've known, being a fan of the NFC East and the Dallas Cowboys, is they are known for that defensive line, the Fletcher Cox, the Brandon Grahams, those kind of guys. Um, so I went with the same pick there with pick one or round one, pick 18, but I went to the D line as they get older. I think they bring somebody in. That's a mean, nasty guy. And it's Devonte Wyatt from last. I mean, we're talking about one of the best defenses ever in college football in Georgia. And this was a guy that was a reason for that. Devonte Wyatt is just mean. 
He's his versatility and his ability to play three zero tech is it's just again we talked about having Jordan Davis there and, and those guys. This guy has a great first step. He explodes off the ball. He can fight across offensive linemen's face. This is a guy that brings momentum, power to a defensive line that is getting older. And we talked about Philadelphia. They're built on that defense and offensive line. That's how they won the Super Bowl in 2017. I think they get back to that here. I think they look, they probably go receiver with that first pick. And then they look at 18 and they say, you know what? Let's go ahead and get our replacements for our Fletcher Coxes in a couple of years. Let's go get a Devontae White who can come in and play right away, but is also going to be a staple in the middle of that defense for years. So that's interesting. You both have pick 18 and if wide receivers going at the, the first first round pick at 15, you guys are kind of at a little dispute here on which one the Eagles need to do. I decided not to go the route of a first round pick. I decided to go in the second round here. I think I'm not, I'm not necessarily sold that they have to go receiver with the 15th pick. They probably should. And they could still take my guy here in the second round at pick 51. I am going with my hometown. My, 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 I'm, I'm going with my team here. I'm going with John Mechie, the wide receiver out of Alabama with the second round pick, pick 51. This guy has, he's got everything in my opinion. He's got everything. He's coming off the ACL injury. He would have been a first round pick without that ACL injury. He's got an elite route tree. He gets open pretty much anywhere on the field. He's explosive. He sees the ball. Well, I will give him the knock on him and say he needs to work on his hands and he's not really the fastest receiver. So that kind of puts him back in that second round range kind of fits perfectly there. Had over a thousand yards this past season, almost over a thousand yards in, in the season prior. And a little fun fact about John Mechie, who was born in Taiwan. And AJ, this can be for you for tomorrow. Born in Taiwan, moved to Canada when he was one. He is the back-to-back John Cornish Award winner, which is given out to the Canadian College Football Athlete of the Year, basically. Back-to-back winner the year prior was Chuba Hubbard, who is now running back uh, for the Carolina Panthers. But other than that, this is a perfect pick for the Philadelphia Eagles to, I mean, you have Devontae Smith and you have Jalen Hurts, and then adding in a John Mechie, who is a big-time playmaker. I mentioned his elite route tree. He can do special things, and I think that would be a perfect pairing for Jalen Hurts moving forward. Go ahead, AJ. I know you have something. I do too, but go ahead. So I wanted to bring up our, our guy, Sherm, the Eagles fanatic here. It says, please note a wide receiver they need to bolster the defense. While I agree that you going in with Jalen Rieger. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Who else are you going to go with? What other wide receivers you got? You still rolling with the same wide receivers. See, and, and see, I didn't, I wasn't even going that route. Like, yeah, I, I know for a fact, Eagles fans just cried about Jalen Rieger all season, rightfully so. But while I agree that they need to add to the defense, I don't think it's like the biggest thing that they need to just focus on. I mean, look at some of the guys they still have, a Brandon Graham, a Josh Sweat. They got Fletcher Cox back, Javon Hargrave. A lot of people don't feel great about Derek Barnett. That's fine. Kaiser White was very helpful in Los Angeles. TJ Edwards was a double-digit uh, tackle guy all last season. And then you just brought in Hassan Reddick. Darius Slay's in the back. Avante Maddox was helping. I definitely think they can add to the defense. Wait, 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 wait. Did you because you list off the depth chart? Does it make the defense good? That is an aging defense up front and a bad defense on the back end outside of Darius Slay. Sherm is Avante actually Maddox right was definitely Avante Maddox Sherm is very no, no, no. last season. Sherm is right. We focus so much on wide receivers, and we have been for the Philadelphia Eagles since they had Carson Wentz because that was the excuse. 
They don't have wide receivers. They don't have weapons. They got one of the better tight ends in football, a first-round pick in Devontae Smith, two really good running backs, and yet we still focus on that. A really good offensive line when they're healthy. Their defense needs help. Did you not watch the playoff game last year against Tampa? That defense was atrocious. And yes, the offense wasn't great, but that defense was atrocious. Uh, I agree with him. There is more depth at wide receiver to where you can address it like Vinny did later than going out and getting one of the the best wide receivers in the draft because you did that last year in your number one pick. In a perfect world, the Eagles should go defensive line and corner with that with those two picks. If McDuffie's there, it should be McDuffie and a defensive lineman or an edge rusher or something like that. But to say they have to take a wide receiver at 15, which I've heard every analyst say, I think it's it's I think it's dumb. I think it's because they want to force Jalen Hurts. They want to say, well, we have to see what Jalen Hurts has. Well, Jalen Hurts could be the greatest quarterback ever. If your defense sucks, then it doesn't matter. Two quick sentences. I understand they did not show up in the playoffs, but they were a lot better throughout the season than most people thought on that defensive side of the ball. I think with I think with like this entire I think with this entire draft though, (laughs) with how deep the wide receiver class is, I think that it's like I don't think any team has to go wide receiver early because of how deep this wide receiver class is. And it makes perfect sense for the Eagles to be able to go defense, defense, and then I'm talking about teams that getting that receiver will change the their course of their team specifically even this year teams like new orleans if you if with that team already you go put another receiver next to michael thomas or just yeah. some that's going to impact that team significantly just because you go out and get a chris olave if you're philadelphia are we going to come here next year and say the same thing well it turned out to be jalen rager like uh, they've done this over and over and over again and they haven't hit those receivers so why not build the way you built when you won a championship? They just came off a championship. Um, I, I think to me, that's what that's what I would be focusing on, especially with the growth of Devontae Smith throughout the course of last year. But Bailey had something in here about um, what, uh, Devontae Wyatt's character concerns. <laughs> Sorry, producer, that's my fault. I should have let you do it. Um, no, you're good. I, I was ge- I honestly guessed wrong, so it's the, okay. The reports are not false, but I tend to less care about those things when every everybody still hasn't projected to go in the first round like to me it's like teams Amen. are not changing their stance on on what kind of player he is which means those reports are probably not they're probably blowing a little bit out of proportion so it is a concern but i don't hey, think hey, hey last time you said you didn't care about a report it ended up coming back yeah. to bite you in the butt so you might want to start caring about that, that no report. it's uh, not that i don't care about on. it is, is i forgot i know i know it. i just moving on though but eagles fans though eagles fans let us know in the chat and let us know in the comments when you're watching this video on youtube who you think uh what the eagles plan needs to be in the, in this year's draft the washington commanders it's their technically their first draft as the commanders go manders they need a quarterback other than although aj might say they don't need a quarterback because oh well Carson we- Wentz. they also need a wide receiver a safety they have the 11th pick in the first round followed by the 47th pick in the second round they don't have much else after that because well aj's boy carson wentz so we are going to start right there aj who do the washington commanders need to go get for your boy oh it's me oh you want me to go now um First and foremost, if you ever decide to join the Sac City Pod, don't make any statement because it will have to stick with you for the rest of your life, even when you go ahead and admit you're wrong. But that's okay. I digress. Um, No, they don't need a a quarterback today. Uh, I'd wait still. 
<laughs> I do think they need to get themselves another receiver. Uh, we understand what the defense needs as well. And I think that would be fun for them to go and get out and grab somebody who can make a difference on the back end. But I went a different route. Um, and this is hoping this guy is here. I think they would really like to get a guy who could be on the other side of Terry McLaurin that does a couple different things. And uh, that guy to me is going to be Drake London out of USC. Just a big body, go get it type of guy. And a game changer. Played eight games last year before uh, having a knee injury. 88 receptions and over 1,000 yards in just eight games. Imagine what it would have happened if he played the entire season. He's a man amongst boys. You can see it's so hard to bring him down. I, who knows if that'll be the same in the NFL, but I think the way he goes after contact, it probably will be. He turns a 50-50 ball into a, an 80-20 ball in most cases. He can high point better than most, and he's more than likely going to come down with it. That catch radius, the type of guy that he is, is the best chance for Carson Wentz to have a little success because Carson Wentz is always like those guys who can make him look a little better because of his off-target throws. He can reach out and go get the ball. Um, he, everyone talks about his speed. That's not what I need him for. That's why I have Terry McLaurin. That's why I have these guys out the backfield. Um, I, I think that Drake London, if he's still there, and you, you can decide that you can hold off on some of the back end despite on what it's going to be, Drake London might be a guy that can help your offense move forward and you can at least score with some of the best in the NFC East and the rest of the NFC Conference. Oh, okay. I see. You know, you said it right there. You're like, Drake London, he, he might not have the speed, but that's why you have Terry McLaurin and, and, and so-and-so's guy and this and that. And, and the other things that, that uh, Drake London doesn't have, well, guess what? My guy that I think that they should be taking with either the 11th pick overall or maybe even trading back. I know this might be a little rich for him, but you guys have sold me on this guy after watching some tape, watching some film, listen to what you guys had to say. The Washington commanders need to go out and get Christian Watson, the wide receiver at North Dakota state, not only because of the ties of North Dakota state and Carson Wentz, but this dude is special. No one else runs like this guy. He's 6'4", 200 plus pounds, doing things that are not like what 6'4 guys do. His strides are bigger than my entire body. You talked about catch radius. That's not saying, but Christian Watson probably has the, be the best day. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, but you talk about catch radius. Christian Watson has the best catch radius in this entire draft. He is going to be the guy that is going to be able to go out there and make Carson Wentz look great. He's got great ball. He's got great ball tracking skills. He's a special guy, and I'm just going to say this, and I know it. I'm going to put myself back on this just so I can see Aaron's reaction to this. This pick is not only to add a special wide receiver in Christian Watson, but this pick, call me crazy, this pick helps you get Carson Wentz a little bit more comfortable. And I know, I get it. It's not the mental thing. I get it. I get it. See, this is, what I, this is the reactions I wanted. But this man who has been torn like just drug through the mud for the past few years with this poor play and all that good stuff. Christian Watson probably looked up to Carson Wentz, but like this dude is that dude. Like he led my school that I went to, to multiple championships. I love this guy. He's going to pray. He's going to praise him. What the you hell are you Christian talking Watson, about? And maybe he pays him a little bit more. Maybe he makes Carson Wentz feel good. Okay. Maybe he makes Carson Wentz feel Good. Are you finished? Carson Wentz's mental game is all Carson Wentz's mental game is all to shit. Okay. So little things like this could be helpful for one. You gotta take our sleeper pick and just make it sound worse. 
Uh, Aaron, you can handle it. I don't. It's a I, sleeper can't, pick. I, I can't. I don't. I, I, pick, I don't even have the energy anymore to even go at you. But listen, if if we are still saying, hey, maybe we can get Carson Wentz, the the guy that can go and do it, so he can show he's good. And the man had the best running back, one of the better offensive lines in football last year. Michael Pittman went for a thousand yards, and the man couldn't beat Jacksonville to make the playoffs. Listen, stop talking about Carson Wentz like he is a you, something. You are that- you. But you, you're missing this though. Hold on, stop. You're <laughs> me, you're mixing up exactly what I'm saying. You're mixing up what I'm what saying is, though. That, I'm not a believer that in Carson Wentz. going to make I'm Christian Watson in turn into Wentz. a dud. It's going to make Christian Watson turn into a bust. That may be. That may be. I'm not talking about what happens after. I'm not talking about what how <laughs> what I believe in Carson Wentz. I'm saying what the Washington Commanders need to go out and yeah. do because Let they obviously you. see Let something in Carson Wentz. Let me tell you what Wentz. the Washington they Commanders. They obviously see something in Carson Let Wentz. Let me tell you. I don't believe no, no, something no. in Carson Let Wentz. Let me tell you. You brought up a good point. Let me tell you what the Washington Commanders need. I was told last year the Washington Commanders had were going to be the number one defense in the NFL. Elite. Terry McLaurin. Top 10, top five, whatever you want. Top wide receiver in the NFL. Upside of Antonio Gibson. You bring back J.D. McKissick. Logan Thomas broke out as a tight end. The offensive line's pretty decent. They were what away? They were a quarterback away. Yeah, Taylor Heineke was going to do it. Taylor Heineke couldn't do it. So what does the Washington Commanders need to do? They need to go out and draft a franchise quarterback. Malik Willis. Okay? He's the best quarterback in the draft. Everybody says it. Go out and pick them. You already have everything else. You're not the Carolina Panthers where you're still looking for a left tackle. You already have a good offensive line. Go out and draft the franchise quarterback so then your team can now go win the NFC East, go make the playoffs, and win some playoff games for the first time since forever, and then you don't have any more problems. You don't have to rely on a Carson Wentz who year after year after year continues to suck. Okay, I know you wasted draft capital, and maybe so. Maybe you start the season, you say, Carson, you're going to be our starter. But don't worry. By week four, he's going to run backwards, throw the ball over his head, and he ran for a pick six <laughs> to lose the game. And then you look over at Malik Willis, and Malik Willis is going to be sitting on the sideline like this. And then you're going to put him in, and he's going to do what Lamar Jackson did the year Joe Flacco got benched. He's going to take over. He's going to be successful, and you have your franchise quarterback. Washington needs to stop playing games and go get them a franchise quarterback. It's simple. They're not so going to do it. They're not going to do it. Now. They're not going to do it, but that's what they need to do. Someone league Willis, a franchise yeah, well, quarterback hey, now. You, Nobody, you bring that question up. He, 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 he's going to be able to sit behind Carson Wentz though for a little bit. And that's what we kind of want. I never here, said is these guys to that Malik Willis wasn't a franchise quarterback. I said, there's no quarterbacks in this draft that are ready to start day one. If you, if you look at Malik Willis, if you look at Malik Willis, and you look at Lamar Jackson, I see a lot of similarities to their style of play coming into the NFL. And you see what happened with Lamar Jackson. He dropped all the way to the, the 20. 32. I'm yeah, not 32. saying, I'm not, and, and with Malik Willis, I think maybe they could wait, but there's going to be some team that goes up against him. You have a good spot. You were already talking about you have a good defense. You're already kind of set at receiver. I know you could add some guys, but remember, Curtis Samuel didn't play that much last year. You added him. That's another weapon they'll have. You obviously have Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. Why not say enough with all the bullshit of going get these recycled quarterbacks, the Fitzpatricks, the Carson Wentz. Go get a guy you can groom and get your franchise guy. Stop playing games with the position. You need a quarterback in the NFL. Go get him. You know how I feel about Malik Willis. That's not where I was going. I just say when we had the conversation about him at number six for Carolina, 
It was you're Carolina's not sure. too many pieces away. Quote, I too many pieces away. I'm saying that. Like, I'm saying they're too many pieces away for, for them to just say, oh, let's go take a Malik Willis who we're not sure on. And I'm going to be honest. I don't feel like Sam Darnold had – I don't – I got to be, be careful how I say Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm – not, do I think there's some Top untapped potential in Sam Darnold? I do. Top 10. I really do. Um, bad situations, but I'm not going to give him the excuses that, you know, Carson Wentz. I feel like Washington has been searching for a quarterback forever. Like, think about how long it's been. They let Kirk Cousins go. They would dish, They haven't had his RG3. Well, they, tried, like, they, they tried it with Dwayne Haskins, though. RIP they Dwayne tried Haskins, it with Dwayne Haskins, Haskins with Dwayne and Haskins. it didn't work. And I, they've just been searching forever. Like, every draft, I'm trying. the Washington football team should be going out and getting a franchise quarterback until they get one. <laughs> Simple as that. Fair enough. Yeah, follow the Browns. Let's move on That's to New York. The way to go. <laughs> let's let's round out the NFC East here and talk about the New York Giants. They need a linebacker, a tackle, a center. They've got the fifth and seventh pick in the first round, followed up by the thirty-sixth pick in the second round. They've got the picks to potentially help them move into the right direction. AJ, we're going to start with you here, sir. Who do the New York Giants need to go get in the round one? Well, sir, um, you know I love it when a uh... When a show has a full circle, everything comes back around. We talked about this earlier. We talked about the rumor mill. Well, your rumor's going to come true. Is Jermaine Johnson a top 10 pick? You bet your ass he is. Round one, pick seven. If he's sitting there, Giants, go and get him. Go ahead and get your guy who had 18 tackles for a loss last year, who tied Aiden Hutchinson with 14 sacks last year. A guy who's got length, who knows how to get leverage, who has a motor, who's an Ironman playing 60-plus snaps a game. This is the type of player that can come in and start a culture. Aaron talked about the chip this man has on his shoulder. Bailey talked about how he couldn't hack it at Georgia. Stop with the BS. Of course he could hack it. He understood what he needed to do to make a business decision. He went to Florida State. He showed out. And now he's a guy who is well on his way to going to the top 10 pick. If. If the Giants can get the guy they are looking at at five to bolster that offensive line, and you sitting there at number seven, you haven't found a suitor for James Bradbury, and he's likely to be on your team next season, go out, help him, give him a reason to stay by getting a culture-changing edge rusher like Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State at round one, pick seven. Book it. I like it. I like it. And I went with the with the fifth pick in the draft, so we don't even clash here. I'm okay if the Giants draft plays out like this. You take Jermaine Johnson with that seventh pick, and then you take my boy Evan Neal, offensive lineman out of Alabama with this. This guy is an athletic freak. We saw the pictures after the car around the combine time of the way this dude looks at 6'7", 350 pounds. Now, we know how good he is. We know how talented he is. He's one of the best offensive linemen in this draft, but when you're comparing him to Icky, when you're comparing him to guys like Charles Cross, maybe you're like, I don't know which one to pick. I don't know if Icky even falls this far to the Giants, even at five. But let me make some comparisons here. Evan Neal is the only one or had the most snaps at right tackle than than all of these guys combined. Charles, not not combined, but Charles Cross and Icky. Evan Evan Neal had more snaps at right tackle than all those guys. You're not moving Andrew Thomas, who had a pretty good season last year for the Giants at left tackle. You're not moving him to the right side for one of these tackles. So you get the most comfortable guy for that right tackle side. We talk about his athleticism. I'm going to play this B-roll and move on. This guy is 6'7". I saw the comparison earlier today of Keith Lee 
that's my comparison, Aaron. You love comparisons. <laughs> this guy, this guy is this guy is over six foot five, Amazing. 300 plus pounds. Evan Neal could do this shit. This is what you're getting with Evan Neal, New York. This is what you're getting. This is what wait, you're getting. Wait. Okay. Do you, person, this do right you here. have personal watch, no- watch this. Hold on. Evan Neal, right here. John, let's do you go. Have, let's do you go. have personal knowledge that Evan Neal could do that? <laughs> I just wonder. All right. Yes. I, I really I like it. I thought it was him. I was like, oh shit. I actually really like that idea. I, I think I think you make a good point about Andrew Thomas being on the left side and he did have a good year last year. And uh, I was watching NFL Network earlier today and there was a report. There was a report that Giants executives said they only like one offensive lineman that's on their roster right now, and that's Andrew Thomas, which means they're probably going to address that Evan Neal could fit into that right side. And then you could protect your quarterback who after this season is probably not going to be Daniel Jones. Let's be honest. But in the meantime, maybe you go out and you take a late flyer on a guy who last year or a year ago was slated to be the, in the first round, he's supposed to be the first quarterback off the board. I think you wait, you get a third round pick here and you take Sam Howell. I know how much Dylan loves Sam Howell. I talked about him negatively the other day about how he got worse every year. And when he lost his weapons, he didn't perform. Um, Those are still concerns of mine. But when you're in the third round here and you have a team like the New York Giants, who obviously don't believe in Daniel Jones very much because they haven't even exercised his option yet. I I think you can take a guy in the third round that has perhaps some upside. Maybe you can get him with Brian Dable and he can get the best out of him like he did with the Josh Allen. And I will tell you one positive thing that I really like about Sam Howell. He is the best deep ball thrower in this draft is the most accurate, best deep ball thrower in this draft. He can sling the ball down the field. And Brian Dable worked with Josh Allen. Just saying, like that could be something that he could work with. Sam Howell in the third round to the Giants. I think that would be a nice fit. And if they can get Evan Neal and Jermaine Johnson or one of those edge rushers in the first, good draft for the Giants. They got some, they got some good mid picks that they, they can make a big change on their roster this year. If, uh, if, the, if the Panthers don't take Malik Willis at six, Maybe they know Daniel Jones ain't going to be there. They missed out on the Dwayne Haskins train. Maybe they grab Malik Willis at seven and wait on some defense. You know, get themselves a bookend tackle at five and then get their guy next. Knowing Daniel Jones ain't going to be there. I don't see, don't see how the Giants wild, can take right? a quarterback that are, I mean, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I mean, Gettleman and them are gone. So it's a new regime. <laughs> I don't think they're going to make that, that mistake again. That drastic Decision. And I do think Brian Dable thinks he might yep. have something in Daniel Jones. I think he's going to try to bring the best out of Daniel Jones. And if it doesn't work this year, then you say, okay, we move on. Um, it'd be nice just to have a guy, you know, a young guy behind who might have some. Y'all going to laugh at me and I'm okay with it. Uh, when I watched that Sam Howell tape, he got that Baker Mayfield stick. <laughs> he got that Baker Mayfield stick. I just, I just see Baker listen, Mayfield with it, and I just listen, smell Baker the, Mayfield. The pro- but you bring that up. It could be different. I'm not, that's I'm not fine. Saying. You bring that up. But the problem is not necessarily the way Baker plays football. Like, Baker was a number one overall pick. Baker got his team to the playoffs. Baker won games. Baker's problem is here. His maturity level's not great. He's not a professional. I, I, being Baker Mayfield or being labeled Baker Mayfield, I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it's a, the worst thing that could possibly be. Yeah, going to the Cleveland Browns is not bad. It just has that stink on it. You can lead them to the promised land. There's still potential there. It just got that stink, <laughs> and it's going to be okay. Sam Howell, you got that stink. You can get that off. You can buy a nice I can't cologne. Believe I you can shower. Sam on the show. You can do whatever you got to do. Yeah. You did. And you did. And you picked him. And you, 
Yeah, well, no, you kind of, no, no you kind of bury Baker. Well, yeah, I mean, 50, you got, 50, Baker's 50, still 50. serviceable. Baker should be a quarterback yes. in this league somewhere. Yes. People definitely will take what we said about Baker Mayfield the wrong way because honestly, it, would you say Baker Mayfield is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the league? Yeah. There you go. It's as simple as it needs to be. Drew Lock can start Baker. All right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's it. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow it's live here. at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I will repeat that again. Live at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time for our Sac City Draft Special. It is going to be going to be epic. It's going to be it, 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 so it I want to miss it. I promise you guys. Come have a good time with us. It is going to be so much fun. So much fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this now, and I'll probably say it again on Friday, and I'll probably say it again on Monday. Uh, I want to give a, a special thank you to you gentlemen for all of the time and effort we are putting into this draft special. For everyone, please make if you even if you come in for five minutes tomorrow night, please hop in, say hello, let us know what you're thinking of whatever you're watching. And uh, see what we've got going on because there has been so much effort, so much time put into tomorrow's show that you're not going to want to miss it. It is going to be just like watching ESPN, but without obviously watching the picks walk up on stage and awkwardly hug Roger Goodell. So if you want to miss that, watch us tomorrow live at 730 we'll p.m. time right here <laughs> on Facebook, right here on YouTube and right here on Twitter at the Sac City Pod. One last time, just pump these out. Follow us on all social media platforms at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please be sure to subscribe and follow us on TikTok and YouTube for my best friend, Aaron Mukes, and for the valedictorian, not so heavyweight, heavyweight, AJ Johnson. I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And 